Well, take your Bible this morning and turn with me to the book of Psalms, chapter 34. Psalms 34, isn't it a great day to be in God's house and worshiping with God's people? I don't know if you woke up this morning to the sound of a clap of thunder and a lot of rain on your roof, and I thought, oh no, nobody will be at church today. But here you are, and what a great time we've had. I was able to spend just a few minutes over in the summit service this morning, and uh, some new people up on the platform singing and leading and just exciting to see some of the energy and excitement there. And then over here just to be able to be a part of a fine worship uh, anthem like we've had here uh, in the last few minutes. It's uh, really been exciting, really been exciting. So we've been focusing in recent weeks on prayer. We're calling it the school of prayer because we have been reminded that there's nothing better to be better at than prayer right? I don't know if that's good grammar, but it's good theology and it's a, it's a good truth to live by. And so we're learning how to pray. We're taking very small steps. These are very simple messages. Uh, I think oftentimes uh, we, me included, we have attempted to be, we have desired to be better at prayer, uh, but sometimes there's just so much to be said about it that we can get, uh, I don't know, just covered up by so many different uh, instructions and principles that in the confusion of it, despite the fact that we have had the purest of, of commitment, we have failed to learn to pray like we, like we could and like we should. And so we're taking a very simple approach. We're going to take a bunch of weeks, go through this step at a time. We're in our school of prayer. Now, we began a few weeks ago by laying down some foundations, and I want to review just a little bit of that. One of the foundations we said is simply that prayer is crucially, critically important. It perhaps is the most important spiritual discipline. It is, it is one of the most important ways that we relate to the Father. In fact, I was reading a book on prayer this week, and it made the statement that I think is absolutely true, that you can do all kind of things in your Christian life that people People can see and people might even admire, but who a man is in private, in secret, on his knees before God, that he is and nothing more. Our prayer life is critically important, critically important. Another foundational truth that we learn is that prayer is a craft that we learn, not a truth that we discover. So many times we think that if we just make a big enough commitment to prayer that we will be people of prayer. But the Bible teaches us over and over and over that prayer is something you have to learn to do. And while anybody can pray just at the drop of a hatch, we, we have this privilege as children of God to go before the king in order to have a real solid, satisfying, God-honoring prayer life, we have to learn some things. And so we're in the school of prayer. Now, the second week, we talked about the secret of prayer. I mean, if there is a secret, this is what it is. There's one thing that is absolutely essential. There's one thing that's true in the life of every person who has matured into a great person of prayer, and it's this. We must persevere. We must keep on keeping on. How did Jesus say it uh, over in Luke chapter 18, verse 1? Pray always and do not give up. If you'll continue to pray, you'll learn to pray. If you just pray for a day or two, you will never learn. Sticking with it, not quitting, is probably the most important 
way to learn to pray. But then last week, we said that we want to learn some models for prayer. We want to we see how it is that the Bible teaches us to pray in a way that we can remember and that we can repeat. Uh, if, um, you know, if I were to stand in front of a, of a beautiful painting that some great artist had, had painted, I might know where to buy the paint. I might even know the names of the colors of the paint that was used. I might be able to identify the paintbrushes. But if I don't know the pattern, if I don't have the skill, if I don't know how to hold the brush and, and how to brush it across the canvas, if I don't have the technique, I will never be able to paint that. So we're learning some techniques. And we said that there are three that we're going to focus on. The first one uh, will take us several weeks, and it'll really lay the foundation for the others. And we called it a chat. Now, that may not sound very religious, very spiritual, but I think this is, uh, this is the best place to begin. And this is ordinarily how I pray. C-H-A-T, have a chat with the Lord. C stands for confess, H stands for honor, A stands for ask, T stands for thanks. Everybody can remember that. And first, I want to teach you how to have a chat with the Lord. I expect that'll take us five weeks. I want to make sure we're not going too quickly, that we get all of the pieces in place, how to have a chat with God. Then we're going to take a week and we're going to learn method number two, which is praying scripture, uh, which I think will be the most, um, uh, one of the most exciting methods that we're going to learn. It'll be eye-opening and life-changing, I believe. And, and so that's what we'll do next. And then finally, we're save the best for last. We will learn how to use the Lord's Prayer as a model, as a, as a foundation for how we go to the Lord in prayer uh, each, each day. And I, uh, so we'll, we'll certainly end on a, on a high point. So right now we're focused on chat, how to have a chat with God. We began last week with the first letter C, how it is that we can confess our sins. One of the things we said last week that I want to remind you of, uh, if uh, you were here or tell you about if you uh, were not here, is that we often think of confession telling the Lord about our sins and telling the Lord that our sins are wrong and that we, we regret them and we want his forgiveness and we want to change, confessing our sins, we often think of that as the, as the bad part of prayer. Like, I need to get through this so I can get to the good stuff. You know, this is, uh, this is like eating the, the turnip greens and the Brussels sprouts so you can get to the good part of the food. But that's not the way the Bible presents it. You know, the best thing about Jesus is what? That he is our Savior. That he is our Savior. That he is the one who forgives sins and saves us from the consequence of sin. So the best part of prayer, the juiciest part of prayer, is that we take our sins before the Lord and we detail them and we enumerate them and we talk about them and we say, Jesus, pour your forgiving power into my life cleanse me of these sins. And we should look forward to that. We should foster that part of our prayer time because the greatest thing about Jesus is that he is our savior. And so the greatest part of prayer is when we get to unload uh, the sins that, uh, that have caused uh, the stain of guilt in our lives. So that's confession. And we learned why we should do it last week and we learned how we should do it. Today, we're gonna focus on the H, which is to honor uh, the Lord. Now, I wanna read in... Uh, in Psalms chapter 34. Uh, but let me tell you before we begin that in the Bible, uh, especially in the Old Testament, the word honor 
and the word praise are used interchangeably. And we're, we're a little short on time today, or I would walk you through some passages and show you just how it is that we know that. But praise, to praise God and to honor God, at least honor as a verb, that those words are, are, are used in place of each other. And you'll see, you'll see the word praise used uh, here in Psalm 34. So when I say honor, I mean praise. When I say praise, I mean honor. And so does the scripture. Let's jump in. Psalm 34, verse 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. That's a verse to circle. One of the most important verses we'll read today or any day. Let's look at it again. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. Now in the next half dozen verses, we're going to see some explanation of that. Verse 2 says, I will boast in the Lord. The humble will hear and be glad. Proclaim the Lord's greatness with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and rescued me from all of my fears. Those who look to him are radiant with joy. Their faces will never be ashamed. And all this is still under the category of I'm praising the Lord. Verse 6, the poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him from all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he rescues them. Now, look back to verse 1. We've read it twice. I want to read it a third time. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. Let's, let's ask some questions of that verse. We'll ask verse 1 the questions, and then we'll really find the answers in the verses that follow. So I want to ask who, who should pray, when we should pray, praise who should bring praise to the Lord, when we should bring praise to the Lord, why we should bring praise to the Lord, and how we should bring praise to the Lord. So we'll start with the who. Who should do this? Well, that's an easy question to answer, right? Look back at verse 1. I will bless the Lord. You, me, we must praise the Lord. The Bible says in Psalm 150, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. You have been created to praise the Lord, whether it is corporately in this worship service or it's privately on your knees at home at the beginning of your day. We have been created to do this. God has called us to do this and God waits for us to do this. Who should praise the Lord? You should praise the Lord. This is one thing that nobody can do for you. I think about Jesus as he came into Jerusalem just a few days before his crucifixion, we call the event the triumphal entry. People were praising Jesus as he rode into the city. And some of the religious leaders criticized those who were praising Jesus and listened to his response. It's interesting. He says, I tell you, if they were to keep silent, the stones would cry out. God has ordained that he will be praised and the responsibility, the assignment has been given to me and to you. And that's one of the reasons, one of the reasons why it's so important that you are in worship on Sundays. I mean, fanny on the seat in worship on Sundays. And I know we're in a pandemic and there'll be some people who can't come for 
uh, pandemic reasons, and I'm not talking about that, but for the rest of us, children of God, we ought to be in worship on Sunday. Why? Because I have been created and appointed to praise the Lord, to praise the Lord with my faith family to praise the Lord. Now, we're talking specifically about doing it in our prayer lives, but one does not exempt you from the other. Everybody should be praising the Lord on Sunday. Sometimes I'll hear people say, uh, well, we, we couch it in terms that sound more spiritual than I'm going to say here, but, uh, but what I hear people say is, I, I'm not going to church super regularly because I don't really need it. I mean, we, we come up with, we, we're better at our words than that, but I don't really need it. I don't need what that preacher is saying. I know all of those songs. I'm going to watch it online. I've been there, you know, all my life. I don't need to be there. Well, listen. Uh, you might not learn anything from the message. I, I, I think that's not the case, not because I'm a good teacher, but because the Holy Spirit is the teacher of his word. We can always learn something. Uh, you, you, may, you may already know all the songs. You might not even like the songs. But here's why we should be here. Because God deserves our praise. And we have been appointed to praise. We have been created to praise. And coming here and just offering our praise as a family to the Lord, a faith family to the Lord, is so important. Who should praise the Lord? You should praise the Lord. I should praise the Lord. Now, the next question is when? When should we praise the Lord? Well, look back at verse 1. I told you this would be a simple message. He says, I will bless the Lord when? At all times. When are you supposed to? Do this. When are we supposed to bless the Lord? All the time. Always. Every day. Without exception. Here's how we read it in the New Testament. Hebrews 13, 15. Therefore, through him, let us continually offer up to God a sacrifice of praise. See, this will be one of the most important lessons that you ever hear. No matter, no matter what happens, no matter how you feel, no matter what has happened in your past, no matter what is going on in your present, no matter what you may fear about the future, no matter what, we should praise the Lord. There's never a time when it is not appropriate and is not expected and demanded that we praise the Lord. This is, um, this is so meaningful. I think about uh, Psalm 119, 164. I ran across this verse, well, beginning of the week, and I don't remember now what drew my attention to it. Um, I've shared this with a group or two I've met with this week. I, I don't remember who, but it, this is just a verse that's been special to me all week long. Let me, let me read it to you. It'll sound odd. But what, Psalm 119, 164, David wrote, I will praise you seven times a day. Uh, it goes on seven times a day for your righteous judgments. David said, God, I will praise you seven times a day. And, and that's just stuck with me all week. What does it mean seven times a day? Well, if you look it up with the scholars and the commentators, uh, they say, and they're right, of course, that oftentimes the number seven in the Bible means complete, fully. And so perhaps this means uh, David is saying, I'm going to praise God all day long, not just seven times, but 700 times. And, 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 and they're right when they say that. But at the very least, it means this. Seven times a day, David stopped and just praised the Lord. He didn't go to church necessarily. 
he didn't sing a song necessarily, but he praised the Lord. It was a constant, continual part of his day. And I began to think, what would that look like in my life? I do a schedule every morning. I, I, uh, I, sketch, I schedule as many minutes as I can, I, I, and, and, and I look at it through the day and uh, try to be careful with my time, not always as faithful as that as I wish I were. But I, I looked at that schedule. What would it mean if I praise the Lord seven times a day? Now, I'll tell you what, and I'm just going to be honest with you. Uh, I'll tell you what came across my mind. And, and here's why I'm comfortable being honest. Because if you're honest, the same thing's going across your mind right now. Lord, I don't have time to praise you seven times a day. I mean, that's just, I'm sorry. I mean, you're the Lord, but I am a busy person. And you're thinking the same thing, right? You are a busy person. But then I, I began to think about David. David was king, king of Israel. That's probably a pretty big job. Uh, it's probably some long hours. Uh, probably didn't get a lot of vacation time. He was king of Israel. He was also, in a sense, the pastor of Israel. And they had priests and all, but he was the worship leader and in a lot of ways, the Bible teacher for Israel. So he was the pastor of Israel. He was also the commander of the armies. He was the commander general uh, of Israel. And he was the husband of seven wives. David's life was busy. Busy. Yet this busy executive, leader, and family man said, I praise the Lord seven times a day. No matter what's going on in your life, no matter what's going on in my life, I need to make it a priority to praise the Lord. So that's the when. Let's talk about the why. Why should we praise the Lord? We see uh, multiple answers to this in the first few verses of, of Psalm 34 and some other places in the Bible. I'll run through them quickly. First of all, you should praise the Lord because praise blesses God. Look back at verse 1 again. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. What does it mean to bless the Lord? That's, um, that's not usually how we think about blessing, right? I can tell you pretty easily what it means to bless me. If God blesses me, I know what that looks like. For God to bless me means God gives me something I think I need. Maybe it's some material thing. Uh, my daily bread and God provides in my life something, some, something physical I need. Or maybe it's something more spiritual or emotional. Maybe God provides me, uh, you know, peace. Or maybe God provides me wisdom. Or maybe God provides me, you know, people that are encourage me or help me. Or maybe God gives me strength. And so I know, I know pretty well what it means for God to bless me. It means to give me something I need. So what could it possibly mean that I bless God? Well, God doesn't need anything. And if he did, it wouldn't be anything I have, right? God has no needs and I have no provisions. Everything I have is the Lord's. So how can I give God something he needs? Well, God doesn't need anything in that he is uh, uh, short of something, but God does need something in that he has created us to do something for him that is important to him. And what is that? That we praise the Lord. And when I praise the Lord, when I sing these songs, uh, Tom, when, and I praise the Lord or, or Grant over in our, in our summit service, when I sing these praises to the Lord, now I don't want to make light of what's going on in heaven, but this is real. This is biblical. 
When I praise the Lord, God says, Noel just blessed me. I mean, you know what it's like when we say God just blessed us. We, we, we mean to say God's done something. But God says, when I praise him, God says, when you praise him, those people just blessed me. When I praise God in my prayer time, take a few moments and just praise God. I'll tell you how to do it in a moment. God is blessed. The first reason we should do this is just, just so we can bless the Lord. I think about my, uh, my, my three daughters. I, I, I want to be a blessing to my daughters. I want to find something I can, I can do for my, for my daughters so that they will just sit back and say, my dad blessed me. Well, more than that, we ought to seek to be a blessing to our father. And how do we do that? We, we praise him. Now, the second thing is uh, praise transforms our outlook. Uh, look back at Psalm 34 verse 5 this time. This is all under the category of praising God, blessing God with our praises without stopping. And what happens, verse 5, those who look to him are radiant with joy. Their faces will never be ashamed. Uh, this is a constant theme in Scripture. If you praise God, it changes your outlook. Uh, one of the best things you could do to have joy, peace, the fruit of the Spirit, all the fruit of the Spirit, is to praise the Lord. Psalm 135.3 says, praise the Lord for the Lord is good. Sing praise to his name for it is delightful. When you praise the Lord, your spirit will be delighted. Psalm 147.1, how good is it to sing to our God for praise is pleasant and lovely. Praise changes our countenance. Now, why is that? Why does, why does praise spending two minutes or 20 minutes in praise, praising the Lord for who he is, why does that change the countenance, the outlook, the emotions even in my life? Well, reason number one is because that's what I was created to do. That's what I was created to do. And so when does my life function best? Well, when it does what it was created to do. I remember pastor at church a long time ago and we had a group from out of town come and sing. It was a youth group from some other church and they came, they drove their bus and they sang on Sunday morning. And the youth minister, um, well, I, I started to say wasn't the sharpest guy, but I probably would have made this same mistake. Uh, he went while they were having lunch or something. He took the bus. He was not ordinarily the bus driver, but he took the bus to fill it up with gas. And I don't remember which direction it went. It was either a diesel bus and he put gasoline in it or it was a gasoline bus and he put diesel in it. Well, it was a problem. It was a problem. Our church bought them a bus. Uh, it was uh, because that bus, that engine was made to operate on one type of fuel and it messed it up badly if you put another kind of fuel in it. Now, what does that have to do with this? You were created. I was created really for just one purpose. I mean, if you boil all of the scripture down and you say, why were we created? Why did God bother with people, messy people? One reason that we would praise him. And so we do so many things through the day that don't have anything to do with that. But when we stop and we're doing the one thing we're created to do, I'm telling you, it just changes our outlook. It changes. It changes our outlook. But there's another reason uh, that praise, I think, has such an effect. 
It's because when we are praising God, I think in a spiritual sense, we are relocated to heaven. Uh, what, what do they do in heaven? What is the main feature of heaven? Well, heaven's a place, of course, of joy. and There's no stress, anger, strife. There's joy and peace. And, and we're, we're focused on the Lord. And what are we doing? We're praising the Lord. That's the main thing we do in heaven. And I think when I get on my knees and I spend two minutes praising the Lord or 20 minutes praising the Lord, I think in some spiritual sense I have been, I have been uh, relocated to heaven and I experience just a little bit of the joy. Uh, that'll be mine. That'll be ours when we're there. Why praise the Lord? Because it transformed our outlook. Uh, C or third, it strengthens our faith. When we focus on, on who Christ is and we focus on the mighty power of God, when we praise him, it increases our faith. Now, people misunderstand faith so often. We, we desire to have great faith. So one of the questions pastors get from time to time is, how, how can I have greater faith? How can I have greater faith? And it is good to have great faith. The Bible mentions uh, great faith, that phrase, great faith. It's in the New Testament uh, half dozen times probably. So, pastor, I desire to have great faith. How do I have great faith? Well, the Bible doesn't actually give you any instructions for that, not at least in those terms. In fact, Jesus said, that if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, which was the smallest seed they knew of in their culture, he said, if you have even that little bit of faith, you have enough faith. So how do we reconcile this? I want to have great faith. The Bible talks about great faith. Pastor, I'm telling you, I want to have great faith. Give me some steps, four steps to great faith. How do I do this? And what do I do with that passage where Jesus says, no, the tiniest amount of faith, there's plenty of faith. Here's, here's how you understand it. Here's the right way to understand it. We don't need to have great faith. We need to have faith in a great God. Do you see the difference? Your faith will be great faith, not because you've mustered something up, not because you have this resolve and you've made this commitment and then you're just going to, oh, I'm going to have faith. No, you have great faith when you have faith in a great God, when you understand just how powerful God is and just how wise he is, and, and just when you understand his grace and your, his love and his, and his, his patience, when, when you understand how great our God is, that's what, that's what great faith is. So how do you do that? Well, chief way you do that is to praise the Lord. Again, I'm going to tell you how to do it in a moment. But as you praise the Lord, you're going to be reminded of just how wonderful he is. And you will have faith in a great God. And you will have great faith. It will strengthen your faith. The fourth reason why, quickly, is praise invites the dynamic presence of God into your life. I stole that sentence from somebody else as I was reading this week. Because this is hard really to put a label on. We know that God is everywhere. Right? He is uh, omnipresent. There's nowhere that God is not. But still, we say things like, I really felt the presence of God in that place. Have you ever said that? Or we will say, oh Lord, I, I, I pray that you'll just visit us with your presence today. Or we'll pray for somebody else and say, Father, I pray that they 
You know, as they're in the hospital, they're struggling with something. I pray that they just experience the presence of God. Well, why, what do we mean by that? If God is everywhere, then how, why are we praying that God's presence will be somewhere if his presence is already there? What do we mean, the presence of God? Well, you know what we mean, even though if we're not very precise with our theology here. We mean that, uh, or precise with our words about our theology, we, we mean that there are times when God shows himself, when God manifests his presence. So God is everywhere, but there have been times and places in my life when I have experienced the presence of God more than at other times. And that's what I mean. I've been in worship services, worship services right here, this church, this room, our, our family life center. And I've left there saying, today I felt the presence of God in a special way. So we know what that means. So how do we experience the presence of God? You might not even know what that is. Maybe, maybe you're, you're, you're just be honest. I don't know that I've ever experienced, Pastor, the presence of God. What do you even, I don't even know what you mean. Here's how you experience the presence of God. We say it this way. God inhabits praises. You ever heard somebody say that? Uh, you, you have a hard time finding it in your Bible because it's only in the King James Version, Psalm 22, 3, which says, Thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. But it's truth. It's truth. It's actually in all of our Bibles. It just uses uh, different words. Uh, in the Bible that I preach from, it says, But you are holy and you are enthroned on the praises of Israel. When we praise God... God's presence is manifest in that praise in a way that it's never manifested at any other time. Whether it's in our worship service, that's, that's why, one of the reasons why worshiping God together is so exhilarating. But it's also true when we're on our knees and we're praising God in, in private. God inhabits the praises of his people. Uh, praise invites the dynamic presence of God into our lives. So that's the why. Let me go to the how very quickly. We're out of time. How do we praise God? Uh, I, I want us to be practical in these messages. So let me give you just a couple of practical uh, uh, ways that we approach this. First, you have to distinguish between praise and thanksgiving. You'll never be good at praise until you understand how it is different than thanksgiving. So to thank the Lord is to talk about what he has done for you. To praise the Lord is to talk about who he is. Now this may seem like I'm splitting a hair here, but, but I promise you this distinction will help you be better at both. God has saved me from my sins. God has provided me with a, with a godly wife. God has, has uh, called me. God has, I could give you a whole list of things God has done for me. And church, I'm thankful for that. But there's some things God hasn't done for me. It's who God is. God is holy. God is love. God is patient. God is just. God is eternal. Those aren't things he's done for me. Those are who he is. Best illustration I've ever heard to explain this, I, I, I'm sure I've shared this with you 10 times, but just hang with me. I, I think it's, uh, it's just a good illustration. I read this in a book probably 20 years ago, and I don't know exactly which book it was. But Max Licato, some of you will know that name, preacher and author, 
he was writing, and I may not get the exact story, I may not get the story exactly right because it's a long time ago, but, um, but, but he was writing, he was studying in his office, in his home. There's a swimming pool in the backyard. He hears screaming coming from the backyard. He gets up from his study where he's preparing his sermon or whatever, and he runs to the back and one of his daughters floating uh, face down in the water. And the family had seen her and the wife or the other children had panicked and she looked to be deceased. And so he, he pulls her out of the water. I can't imagine the panic. Uh, he begins to try to resuscitate her and, uh, in, in, in whatever way you do that. And then a moment or two later, she spits up the water, she starts breathing and she's okay. And, um, I could get emotional just talking about it and I've never been through it. But can you imagine? I mean, if you're a parent, if you're a dad, I mean, I know moms love their kids, but dads really love their kids. And, um, <laughs> and so she's okay. And, you know, after I'm sure some of the drama was over, he goes back to his office to begin to work again on his uh, studies. And he said he just felt compelled to pray. So he gets down on his knees in front of his chair. And here's what he said to God in the beginning. God, thank you that you are so good. You have rescued my daughter. She was, she was on the edge of life. She could have died. This could have easily gone in a different direction. You are so good. And he said, and then it just struck him. No. God is not good because his daughter was rescued. God is good because God is good. And had his daughter died in that pool, God would have still been good. Now, do you see the difference between a thanksgiving and a praise? Certainly he was thankful that God had showed this kindness to them and God had rescued her. Of course he was thankful, but that's thankful. God is good. Praise is about who God is and God is who he is, whether things work out the way you want them to work out in your life or not. So to praise God, we have to understand a little bit of the difference. Now, what do we praise God for? I've got a whole list. I won't go through it all, but uh, we can praise God for his, his eternality. Have you ever thought about it? God has no beginning and no end. I can't understand that. You go all the way back to the beginning. God's already there, and he had been there a very, very long time, right? And that's not even a good estimate of, of his eternality. I can't, he, there was never a time when there wasn't God. God has no beginning. We should praise him for that. We should praise him for his uh, omni-everything, is what I put in my notes. Omnipotence, he's all-powerful, nothing is too hard for him. Um, omniscience, he knows everything, he is never surprised. His, uh, uh, which one did I leave out? His omnipresence, he is, he is everywhere. Uh, we praise him for his immutability. God never changes, never changes. Have you ever thought about it? God never gets any better. God never gets any better because he can't. He never changes. He's already perfect. God uh, never, never is, is, uh, changes his mind. God never is, uh, is moody. I don't know if you know anybody who's moody. Uh, God, but God's immutable. He never changes. So we should praise God for those things. We, we can think so many of them are tied to the gospel. God is holy. 
Because God is holy, he will not tolerate sin. God is just, and because he's just, he will never shrug off a sin. Every sin will be paid for by his standard, and the wages of sin is death. God is patient, the Bible says, and he gives us time to repent. And God is love and he is grace that he will give us if we repent and turn from our sins and embrace what Jesus Christ has done on the cross to forgive our sins. God will forgive us, not because we deserve it, but because of what he's done through Christ to deserve it. We ought to praise God for, his, uh, for who he is. So here's what that looks like in your prayer time. So when I pray in the mornings, and you can pray any time, but, but I ordinarily do this in the morning. I start with confession. I start with reading my Bible, but that's a few sermons down the, down the road. But I start with confession. And I tell God what I've done since I left, last prayed. I ask God to, to search my heart. I confess my sins. I talk to God just as I won't preach last week's message. I do that. But next, I honor the Lord. I think of the things I know that are true about God, that he is holy, that he is righteous, that he is beautiful. And I talk to God about that. And I tell him, God, you're all powerful. And I think about what does that mean? That means nothing has ever been hard for him. He has never feared anything. Nothing could ever overcome him. Nothing could ever change his course. I think about the power of God. And I say it to him. Praise the Lord. That should be a part of our prayer. Just as a help to you, there is in your outline a, um, a URL, a web address uh, for a little chart that uh, I used to use this every day. I don't, uh, it's really in my head now, uh, but it's a, it's a chart that lists some wonderful things about God, that he is love, that he is omniscient, that he, is, he keeps his promises, that he has strength, beauty, dependable, he knows me, just a whole list. And then there are some verses that t where it tells us that. And you know what I would do? I would read the verse, or I'd read the thing, God is righteous, and I would turn to Psalm 89, 14, and I would read that verse that talks about the righteousness of God, and I would talk to him about that. And you could do one of these a day, take you two or three minutes. And I'm not saying that should be the limit to your praise, but every prayer, your daily prayers, you ought to be praising the Lord. We're going to get to the, we're going to get to the Lord's Prayer at the end, as I've already told you. Uh, but let me skip, skip to there, just one, one little thing, and then we'll, we'll close. Most of you know the Lord's Prayer. You've heard the Lord's Prayer. So how does the Lord's Prayer begin. What is the very first sentence, the very first phrase in the Lord prayer, Lord's Prayer? Does it start with, give me this day our daily bread? Is that the beginning? No, that's the middle. And it's an important middle, and we're going to get there. But it begins with this. Our Father who art in heaven, the King James Version, probably what most of us have memorized, Holy is your name. When Jesus said that, Jesus was teaching us that our prayer should start with praise. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Father, I pray that you make us people of prayer. People with deep, mature prayer lives that bring honor and glory to you. That, that bring us the strength from heaven, the wisdom that we need. Father, may you be honored by the way we pray. 
And today, teach us to praise you, to praise you, not just in worship as important as that is, but to praise you every day on our knees as we talk about how wonderful you are. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing.